the Press Play and Tape Podcast, episode 15. I am one of your hosts today, tonight, this afternoon, Daz. And with me, I have, at the house that Melbourne built, do you like that, Alex and Aaron? How's that, huh? I have Alex and Aaron. How are hey. you guys? Hey, guys. I was, expe- I was expecting applause, you know, like they do in South of Century. Applause, applause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding oh, up. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, holding, yeah, holding the house that Melbourne built, man. That's a that's a great one, Daz. But um, <laughs> but we can't take credit for it. You know that, yeah? Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going, Aaron? Mate, I'm going all right. Computer woes aside, it's now nice to be back online. So we we won't talk about the hot potato that is the MBN. But um, needless to say, things are much nicer this week. Well, there's an election in, a, in about five weeks, so uh, you never know, mate. Uh, NBN might yeah, be front and centre for that, but um, we'll leave that for uh, yeah. News Corp to uh, divulge on or divulge <laughs> in. <laughs> no comment. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about more. We're going to talk about more exciting stuff, aren't we, guys? Yeah, but I was going to say, MB, what's NBN? I'm still running. Uh... Like dial-up via my Commodore 64. I mean, what is this? <laughs> what what is this sorcery you speak of? Really fast internet that when someone cuts a cable between the mainland and Tassie, it stops working as good. Oh, that's not great at all. Oh, bugger. Tassie. Okay. Yeah, Tassie. I don't know there okay. was people there. <laughs> hey. oh, come on, man. Uh, you're horrible, Alex. <laughs> I, I am horrible, man. I you're am. a monster. I'm on fire. <laughs> okay, and um, we have a special guest today. Very special guest, don't we, Alex? Would you like to introduce uh, we... our guest? Absolutely. Is um, none other than uh, Cameron Gazunta Davis from Breeze Vegas. Welcome. G'day, everyone. How's it going? Very oh, good, very mate. I'm good, Cam. Self. Excellent, excellent. So glad to be here. I've been listening since episode one, so it's very, very cool to finally be on. Excellent, mate. Oh, mate. Good uh, to have you. Before, before mm. we actually get going, and I know I forgot to ask Kevin this, and I said that I would, but uh, Gazunta, where did that come from, dude? I want to know. It's from. Uh, it was. It was a nickname I got back when I worked in a comic shop when I was a teenager. I d- they just gave it to me. They said, if two Oompa Loompas crossbreed, you get a Gazunta, and that's you. I don't know if that was an insult. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Oh, jeez. That's <laughs> rough. <laughs> but it kind of it stuck. Yeah, I know, oh, right? Wow. But it kind of stuck, and uh, 20 years later, here we are. Jeez, so, so tell me. Which, which... Hey, mate, Alex. Alex so, sorry, Aaron. Alex, I, th- I think you should uh, appreciate uh, Choruba, mate. My nickname for you, I think. No, nah, please don't. Let's not go there. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll, look, we'll save that for another episode because, uh, okay. you know, we're on, a, we're on a time here, man. But um, <laughs> now, look, like uh, like every guest, every special guest we have um, on the podcast, we will uh, get Cam to introduce himself, tell us a bit about himself, um, pretty much how he got into gaming, um, <clears throat> Cam, your fave systems, games. Um, and then I guess we'll uh, touch on the... Um, you know the interesting parts of you getting into the gaming industry. Um, you know, writing and uh, being a uh, editor and um, Zap sixty four and all that kind of stuff, man. So, um, handing over the reins to yourself, Cam. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess I'm known these days for doing Blow the Cartridge, which is a retro gaming comic at uh, BlowTheCartridge.com. Now that I've got the plug out of the way, um, I. I yeah, I started with the Commodore 64. Actually, no, I started with the 2600. 
uh, back in the day. Um, the old nice, I had nice. not wasn't the six switch. The neighbors had the six switch, but I had the four switch. Felt pretty good about that. Um, was quickly known as the the kid that was just good at this kind of stuff. Uh, a couple of years later, got up to the Commodore 64 where things kind of, you know, went from just this is kind of like a cute little hobby of mine. You know, when, when you're a kid, you don't really pay much attention to what you're doing. But it was the Commodore 64 that was kind of, oh, okay, I'm getting really serious about games here. And, and you know, started making little little games in BASIC and shooting up construction kit and all that kind of stuff and putting them on tape and giving them out to people in school. That was, that was really cool. And getting a taste for... Um, making making little games for people which it's just kind of a cool buzz to see people play something you've made um fast forward a couple of years you know get into uh got into the reviewing side of business uh being a, a, a game reviewer for um some places uh like hot games or tv week or uh gamers.com or uh ign GameSpot. um and then getting into game development. Uh, local developer here, Chrome Studios. Uh, rest in peace. Rest no, in, rest in really. peace. Um, <laughs> well, no, 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 I say not really because they are still going. Um, they are. They this are. is true. Yes, they are indeed doing uh, some cool stuff. And um, yeah, and then getting into publishing and then getting into uh, PR. and um, But along the way, trying to have fun and... and really connect with people that are enthused about games just as much as me because man games are supposed to be fun they are, they are indeed absolutely man yeah, for sure and i mean trying to have but, a lot of fun now with um you know reset uh which uh i know my pal here alex is uh one of the editors on and um yeah i, I know we had kevin on recently to talk about that a lot so i'm sure our listeners here know all about that and are eagerly awaiting the next issue and um it'll be done as soon as we're finished writing it <laughs> it's looking good but it is looking good so I'm really excited about that one yeah and i saw ant teasing cover. his cover we all have to oh, wait to see oh my god that cover ant still you beautiful bastard you knocked it out of the park yet again he, he is he's unbelievable I, I, I don't even think that guy sleeps he doesn't no no, yeah. he, we, we, well, we actually have a pact. Every time he starts sleeping, I come around his house and just slap him in the face. <laughs> you sure that's not just because of how oppressively hot Brisbane is? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, it's, there's no point in sleeping. You might as well stay up and draw and, uh, you know, play Commodore 64 games. <laughs> Seems legit. And he's and he's actually pretty good at them. Now, Cam, how yeah, how does one how does one actually um, start coding stuff? How how old were you? were you when you actually were coding and and creating things on tapes and actually giving them to mates at school? Uh, there's kind of two answers for that. Like like the, here's the thing. Like I started coding a couple of years before I had a Commodore um, because I, I would read those Usborne books on how to write basic programs. You know, like how to write your own adventure or how to write this, and I'd I'd learn basic. So this was years before I had a Commodore 64 on my own. And like, I'd That's... go over to like, like family members who had one or neighbors and I'd like learn how to type in, you know, 20 line basic programs just to get the idea. Or hanging out outside like the, the display at Big W where they'd have a Commodore 64 on display wow. and I'd just type in basic listings. And I'd have exercise pads where I'd like hand write programs 
and you know just look through them and go okay yeah that's what would happen next and just imagine the game so that it wasn't is, that is hard yeah. cool. wow that that's really impressive cool. um I can't believe. So, you, did you actually know what was happening, or were you just rope learning, sort of basic, and then you figured out what the peaks and pokes did? Or um... I was kind of like you, you, you write down what what's you see in the book, but you just experiment and change stuff. You go, oh, okay, there's the input statement. Okay, I know what that does now. That stores into a variable. Okay, now I can use that variable and print that variable later. And through that, you can make like simple little, you know, interactive things. I was making like little text adventures. There, there, there weren't very many graphics because I really couldn't figure that out on an exercise pad. But simple little <laughs> adventure games, yeah, not a problem. And then, like, how, so yeah, it wasn't... Hmm? Oh, sorry, no, I was going to say, how old were you when you were doing that kind of thing? Oh, Around then, like... Eight, nine... Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. I was just worried about playing the game. That's, that's, really, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really awesome. That is well, here's the thing. Like, wait, when, when, when I eventually got my Commodore 64, I, I promised the parents, like, okay, I'm not going to play any games on it. I'm, the only games I'm going to play are the ones I write myself. <laughs> Famous last words. And, and that lasted a whole two weeks before I went, oh, God, this is a lot of work. <laughs> 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 You know, now, but I had to I had to play other games to evaluate them, right? To see what was going on, right? So you know, yeah, it's comparisons. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get some tips. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm actually impressed. Um, do you still have any of those programs? Any? No. Well, I have some of the um, tapes somewhere, but I'm killing myself looking for those old exercise pads. I would love to find out oh, dude, if those things would actually be. run. Yeah. <laughs> Is there is, is there one that is there one particular one that sticks in mind that you were really really proud of and thought yeah this is this is quite yeah cool. there was one I was really happy with where it was like a, a nuclear war simulation because you got to remember this is the eighties this is all we ever thought about we, we, <laughs> the Cold War <laughs> the Cold War we, we we're going to get we we're going to get nuked any second now we just yeah. kind of expected it bloody right and I know right <laughs> but you could choose one of five countries you live in. And it had this tiny little like text map, and you had a stock of nukes, and each turn you got to shoot a nuke at another country, or heal your country, or build more nukes. It was kind of like a very early strategy kind of game, and then the other computer-controlled countries would do the same, and then you, you know, the point was try to last as long as possible. But if you got, had a nuke land on your city, a little text explosion would happen, and I program the sound so it made this I was so happy with that one dude did you actually ever think of submitting your tapes you know like kids used to do in the UK to um, the publishing houses or um... I, I no because I, I, I had a feeling that like basic was not cool and I was like okay like because everything was written in basic I didn't know about machine code I just there was no there were no books in libraries you know not not at my school anyway there were no computers at all um, so we just kind of had to learn you know kind of by passing tapes around or, or every now and then you'd find someone like a year or two older than you that would know a little bit and he'd you know tell you something you go oh you need a machine code monitor and I'm like uh, where can I get one of them <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And oh, did you actually yeah. did you actually progress to machine code or um No, I still haven't. 
<laughs> hey, dude, you've you, you've progressed further than uh, any of us. While well, I'm speaking for me and Daz, not sure about Aaron. Uh, but, oh um, yeah, me. Print, print command was the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> hey, I made that uh, I made that balloon thing uh, go across the screen from the um, Commodore 64 uh, manual. You know, there was oh, a listing at the back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean. I mean, obviously you're copying, and I was doing the same thing as you, Cam. I was just changing things and screw it so monumentally and go, what the hell did I do? And I've got, and I had no idea how to fix it and what to change, but obviously it was a process of, you know, experimentation or process, process of elimination, which I totally screwed and, you know, get mad. And, I, and, and obviously I wouldn't save the listing, and there it goes as soon as you turn off the 64. So. Oh, that was always so frustrating. It's funny you mentioned that balloon program because um, you know how there's the, the reset uh, has the craft game compo coming up in October. Don't, don't tell me. <laughs> For, I've started writing a basic <laughs> Commodore 64 game and I had to use that as reference, like the balloon thing, because I want to have sprites moving. So I was like, oh, I remember that balloon thing in the reference. Yeah, how do I do that? So it's so funny how stuff comes back to you like that. It's true. You've actually reminded me, um, I, I can't remember if it was a flash cartridge my friend had. I think, I think it was actually the action replay or freezer machines, one of those. Yeah. I remember we were able to um, rip um, characters or pixels from certain games and then place them in other games. <gasps> That's now, awesome. Yeah, I remember we ripped um, the Batman, uh, the Batwing from Batman the movie on the C64, and we replaced it, uh, we, we put that in Delta and replaced it. Oh, so it, you're no the way. <laughs> And you know what? I might, I might actually have that version somewhere amongst all my discs. So uh, you've, you've reminded me now. I might actually look for it. Oh, that's so, uh, fantastic! These yeah, but it was really stuff. easy. Yeah, it was like it was more like a cut and paste and sort of <laughs> try to, you know, get get the right amount of frames because Delta with the ship which used to turn. So we just made the Batwing just go like sort of like up and down sort of thing but uh, it looked pretty cool man that's that's impressive yeah. Des. that sounds cool oh well not really not really but yeah it was it, it was it was good it was good that you know we uh we used like certain utilities and stuff but there was no coding involved so i think i think i think cameron has the upper upper hand there oh, that stuff's say, cool yeah. i would have killed for an action replay cartridge oh my yeah, god me too. Mm. never had one never had one Nope. So, Cam, what was the actual first computer you actually did um, touch uh, or play on? Was it at school, at home? Was it a Commodore or an Apple? It was. It was. It was a Commodore sixty four, and this was um, at school. Like, we, I know I said, "Oh, we don't have computers at school," but we had one, and it was a Commodore sixty four. But it was the Educator sixty four, which was the oh. green mm. screen version they sold to schools in Australia. Wait, what? Dude, you've just blown my mind. I've learned something. Yeah, look. New. Look it up, Educator sixty four. Yeah. Um, it was what? like the pet, was it? Was it like the pet? Yeah, it was. Ve- it was yes. like very much like the pet, yeah. and it was Do a Commodore sixty four. Wow. wow, man, we we had Apple two E's, and that was it. Yeah, same with us. Sorry, oh, Cam, yeah. we cut you off, man. Um, no, I didn't know about the Educator version of Commodore sixty four. This is news to me. Wow, wow. Oh wow. Okay. No, I didn't know. I'll be honest, I didn't know, and I consider myself a, a Commodore fan, but um, obviously. I'm a I'm a clown. Body well, I have a, I had a, a feeling. You're not a clown. I a, you are definitely not a clown, Alex. You are a guru. <laughs> of what? I don't um, know, but anyway. <laughs> um, I have a feeling, though, it, it's not bad to not know about it because I don't think they really sold that many of them. 
They'll be priceless now if the if anyone had them. I guess so. I guess so. And someone, some one of the kids in class somehow got Whizball running on it. Oh, and cool. I, I distinctly remember that was the first time I saw one in action. So it was green screen, so I didn't really get the graphics. But that guitar riff, oh my god! That you know when when you, you lose all your lives and it's game over and it just plays that that sweet little guitar yeah. lick. Yeah. Oh, it blew me away, and that was it. I had to have one. So it had obviously the Sid, but uh, the Vic chip or the Vic Two was. Yeah, I think they changed it so the boot screen was like a black with like uh, okay. white oh, text, that... so it represented green. And obviously the Vic was in there, but it was just they changed the default colors to be green screen friendly. Hmm. Wow! Wow! Yeah. And um, uh, sorry, dude, I'm um, I'm hitting you up on the Commodore 64. Um, yeah, I love it. It's my favorite thing yeah. to talk about. The kids, I, I, <laughs> Excellent. I run, a, I run a small studio and, and, and the designers and the developers um, are so sick of me talking about the Commodore 64 to them because they're young. They're, they're in their 20s and I'm like, God damn it, back when I was a kid. Yeah, they're <laughs> cool, your like, pain, man. When was that? <laughs> they're like, oh God, not the Commodore 64 again. Yeah, all right, granddad. Uh, <laughs> I still live it, Cameron. I still live it. Yeah, man. I, I get it. I get it at work as well. The, the eyes roll the moment the words Commodore come out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, com- the computer Commodore, not the car Commodore. Of oh. course not. Yes. Oh, yes, oh what's yes. that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, something that Holden makes apparently. Um, now, uh, CD. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> uh, favorite games, man. When you were growing up, on um, actually on any on any platform, I'll, I'll I'll touch back to if you did have any other computers after the sixty four. But anyone, any games uh, in particular? Obviously, Whizball. Yep. Whizball, because that that to me is like a big representation of what made the sixty four great. You know, weird ideas and a couple of guys just putting it out there and making something cool and. It didn't really fit in any genre. It was a shooter, but it was also this other collecting thing, and that was amazing. Uh, Great Guiana Sisters, of course. I loved. Oh yeah. Yeah, you obviously they obviously got that pirated, yeah. No, I was lucky enough. What? Yeah, I was. I was on holiday and found a copy on tape, and I was like, yoink. That's worth. That's worth a small car now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Wow. I, I cherish that thing. I love it. Um, and and we're, we're on holidays, and um, I was holidays with my cousins, and I convinced them that the Commodore 64 needed 20-cent pieces in the back to start it. So no. when we were playing Great Guiana oh, Sisters, I can bring me 20-cent pieces, and that paid oh. for the game. You were an entrepreneur, ah. mate. I'm impressed. <laughs> Jeez. And that paid for your disk drive, yeah? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, the, the disk drive—the disk drive was stolen, but not by me. It was stolen by friends, and then they sold it to me for 150 bucks. And I had to save up for months. I know, but this is the kind of town we lived in. Someone—I—I—I oh. I, I feel bad about it now. I know someone oh. out there got ripped off, but um, yeah, when I was when I was a kid, I was like, <gasps> "Gimme!" Shocking. <laughs> I'd like to apologise to the police who are listening to this now, going, ah, we finally got him. 30 years later. (laughs) Bloody Queenslanders, I don't know. I know, right? Cold case. (laughs) Cold case, uh, (laughs) completed. 
Actually, have you have you always been uh, a Queenslander? Are you native Queenslander? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Condolences. Yeah, I can't every, time, every time I go down to Melbourne, we're like, oh, oh you guys have culture. Oh, oh, come, nice. on, come on, man. Queensland has culture. <laughs> Forex, the Broncos. Culture, right? Uh, maybe not my kind of culture. Yeah, no, nah, dude. I, 20, 20 odd years of living up there was enough for me. Oh, boy. Congrats on escaping. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not so bad. Ants up here, that's always good. Yeah, there's always ants there. And you, of course. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Now, progressing from the 64, mate, what was the next uh, uh, computer or next system you actually... The next computer wasn't until, like, I got a PC in, like, the, the early, mid-90s. But, oh, like, so I no moved... One... I'm... No so Amiga. No Amiga. Woo! Oh, okay, high oh. five. <laughs> <laughs> no Atari ST either, Alex, so oh, let's not get on. too crazy. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I know, I, st I stuck pretty loyally to the C64, um, and, and the Amiga was just that, that expensive thing that I wanted, because it had excellent games like Virus, which is still one of my favourite shooters ever. You're the only um, one that, um, every time I bring up Virus, you're the only one that always actually talks to me about it. No one else on Twitter has got any idea what the hell it is. Oh, I know, beautiful. Because you, you try doing a Google search for Amiga Virus, see how far that gets you. Yeah. That's I'm why. Back. You know what, I can hear Daz tapping away on the keyboard. <laughs> it is a brilliant 3D Defender-esque shoot-em-up by David Brabin, who is my hero, uh, one of my one of my all-time heroes in life, and uh, it's absolutely brilliant. You'll spend hours just learning how not to die in the first five seconds. It's got that nice Eugene Jarvis-esque difficulty curve, but um, yeah. absolutely and love it. Look, I used to actually love crashing, um, just seeing all the pixels. <laughs> yes. And, and and I was and I was pretty crap at it, so um, it didn't really matter. Oh, we all were. We all still are. That's fine. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I basically moved on to the uh, the Sega Master System and then the Mega Drive. Um, you know, you got yeah, Mega Drive is basically a console Amiga for 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 lots of reasons. You know, you had a really nice version of Speedball Two with some nice gameplay tweaks. Uh, but you also had, you know, nice original games like Skitchen, which is an underrated classic. Um, so imagine, I don't know if you guys have played Road Rash. Uh, no, what's, what's that? Arts is that's the, that's, Road that's, Rash. that's the Mario game, right? Ah, of course. Yeah, Motor totally. Nah, motorbike racing, belting each other up and split screen in the sequel. It was, yeah. Oh, that's great. Heaven, heaven. So... Uh, Skitchen is also by EA and they use the Road Rash engine but instead of motorbikes it was rollerblades and flannel shirts and going through Seattle listening to grunge music and it was the most 90s thing in the world and I love it that might um, epitomise the 1990s I reckon wow. yeah totally it's so good and the music was done by um, oh, sorry I'm forgetting his name but he did the music for a sold Android Cactus and he lives here in Brisbane and I'm following him on Twitter and I feel really bad um, but Tim anyway. Dawson Tim isn't no, it no no Tim's, Tim's Tim's the programmer uh, who's an awesome bloke and but I'm trying to remember the musician oh Jeff Jeff Van Dyke thank you Jeff Van Dyke yes awesome guy really nice guy um, so yeah he did music for that and that's cool uh, also, stuff like the Super Nintendo. Now, there are two types of people in the world. There are people who know that Yoshi's Island is the greatest platform game ever made, and then there's everyone who's wrong. 
words oh mate i i stick by yoshi that is my that is everything i love in a video game Fair enough. you know it's now colorful and bright and everything's happy that's my aesthetic everything's in crayon oh, i love it nice nice <laughs> nice so yeah and that that's that, that that's the stuff i keep going back to when people you know ask about old games they're they're the things i i I cherish the most. Super Nintendo was kind of like a nice retro moment. It was. It was. Did you did you actually get it early in its life or later? Uh, later. Oh, no. oh, that was a release day thing. I was not missing out on that thing because I wanted Street Fighter Two. Yes, good on you. I, yep. I, I I ended up giving up most of my comic collection and most of my game collection just to get Super, uh, Super Nintendo Street Fighter Two, and it was worth it. My. Yeah. God, and I've been buying it every year ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well. Capcom are very clever. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, Cam, now looking at your bio, mate, um, I want to know, how does one go from coding, you know, basic eight years old to then finding himself into uh, in the industry? And also, you said that you were you were writing for TV Week and, and um, GameSpot IGN's... Um, yeah, how did, how did all that come about? Did you... Yeah. Um, so, I, I, okay, so I, like everything else, it comes back to Zap64, right? Because I was reading Zap64 when I was like 13. I think I discovered it, you know, it was passed around school, like, like you know, this biblical thing where we devour all of our gaming knowledge from. And every month, Julian Rignall comes down from the mountain with his two stone tablets and these are the good games and these are the bad games. And we just, you know absorbed it and um i was reading it one day and and just it occurred to me oh my god this is a job these people are actually doing this as a job you can be a game reviewer as a job that's incredible what a what a revelation that is for because like the town i i grew up in there wasn't exactly a lot of opportunity for things that didn't involve backbreaking labor and considering i'm incredibly lazy I, I wanted to avoid backbreaking labour. That's, that's a good plan. So, we're, we're actually just out of curiosity. Where, which part of Queensland are you from? Uh, Logan. Condolences. Yeah, exactly. Hang on. Now you Hang understand. On. I was going to say, isn't that the place where um, Carstefanovic always gives shit to on on a Today Show? <laughs> Probably. It, it's it's one of those. Uh, right. It's one of those places <laughs> on the Brisbane South that definitely cops a lot of it. You know, we had Savage Garden. That was good. Whoa. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so I realised, oh my God, that, that, that that's a job you can do. So I, I decided very quickly, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I know about games. I can write a little bit. I'm going to start putting it together. So what, what happened? And this, this is such a... This is one of those stories where it's like, this shouldn't have happened. But um, the TV Week had a four-page column every week about games back in the mid-90s and it was uniformly terrible but um, the host of it also had a show on Triple M about games and the internet and you got to remember the, the, the world in the 90s was weird people were actually interested in a radio show about the internet it was kind of a bizarre new thing which is odd for Triple M because their average intelligence are people that drive Commodores worship them <laughs> exactly it was one of those... well played well done, mate. Like, this show just 
should not have existed. But he, he and, and you know, part of their thing was, oh, while we're on the air, we've got a live IRC channel, and so I jumped on that. You know, I had my PC and my my trusty fourteen point four K modem, got on IRC, and I hassled this guy, this editor, every single week, every Saturday night. Okay, here's all the mistakes you made in the review, reviews this week, like in TV week. You said this game had 23 characters, actually had 25. And you said it was published by this, but it's actually published by these people. And uh, you said this was the first game on the PlayStation that did this, but it's actually the second. And here's the other one. And I just point out these errors in the reviews. And eventually he went, okay, you think you're good at this? Prove it. And let me start to do game reviews for TV Week. And that kind of snowballed into other stuff. Yeah, IRC was a, was a big game changer. Through that, I was able to talk to a whole heap of Americans, which let me get into GameSpot when they were just starting. I was the first Australian to work for GameSpot, and that yeah. led into a, an IGN thing and blah, 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 blah. Was there, uh, are there any highlights from any of those places, dude? Any of those um, uh, publishers? Um, um, as online content uh, creators, yeah. Oh, it was it was weird because like back in the you know I was I was doing TV Week and I was also there was a local um, uh, place that let me review for Sunday Mail and um, you know some of the local newspapers and it was funny because like I'd go to these uh, I'd go to meet like Nintendo for example and this was in the mid nineties and they were like no we do not deal with online people so I'd get introduced as oh this is Cameron from TV Week and 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 they'd start handing me. Uh, press releases or copies of games that they were showing that night at a, at a press event and then they'd also you know someone would say oh Cameron's also writing for this online place and they would literally oh. take stuff out of my hand <laughs> so nothing's changed <laughs> really do not deal with online yeah Nintendo haven't changed <laughs> wow wow that is that is low. So, did you um, uh, actually? I was going to ask a question, but uh, I'm going to backtrack a bit. Your inspiration mm. to write, would you say, came from uh, the likes of uh, Mr. Julian Rignall, Jazz? Absolutely, uh, yes. And the like yes, him, Lancet. number one, absolutely. Good on Julian you, man. Yeah. yeah, I love I love that style of writing because it was engaging, it was funny, and it was informative, and it wasn't long winded crap like you used to get with your American magazines. I'm sorry to our American listeners, but your magazines back in the eighties and nineties sucked because it was just too much. Yeah. There was just too much guff. I just wanted to, you know punchy punchy stuff that got to me. Remember, you know you're a you know teenager or getting older you haven't got time to read four or five pages on a game that you could actually describe in probably you know a couple of paragraphs and not to mention yeah. that. you're right They're you're not... right there yeah I, I, I kind of agree with you there Alex yeah and not to like mention Julian was one of those guys that oh sorry Aaron. oh no oh, and I was about to say not to mention that the British sense of humour is far far superior to the American Oh, the ribald humour! Uh, I know. I know, so, I know. Actually, actually, our our, our editor um, Cam is not a fan of that. Mm. Would you believe? Did you know that? Really? Kev's not a fan of British ribald humour. He didn't oh. like it. He loved American magazines. So he loved the waffle. Oh, but, I'm gonna have to have a chat with him next uh, next time. Yeah, we I was ahead. I was devastated when I heard that, and he was yeah, he was like, oh yeah, no, it's that's more for kids, and you know, he wanted more adult content. Now I know when Edge came out. Um, it struck oh, yeah. a chord with me because I was getting old and I thought, yeah, this this is like now the champagne of British um, uh, journalism uh, or gaming, you know, um, gaming journalism. So, um, yeah. How, that was good, like a, how good was that 
poly bag that Edge came in, where it was that black bag with just a number on it. You had no idea what was inside it. Oh. And and you paid a mozza for it, and you didn't care. <gasps> you, knew, you knew you were going to get quality, right? So, yeah. Uh, it was a beautiful magazine. Um, but yeah, sorry, man. Uh, uh, yeah, it was so, it was uh, jazz that um, was your inspiration. It was definitely jazz because, like, I would I would take that guy's word as gospel. Like, if he said that game was crap, well, then I knew I could trust him. And it was very – it really established very early on that you had to establish trust. Like, okay, yes, I, I kind of agree with Gary Lydon sometimes, and I kind of agree with Gary Penn, but Rignall? Oh, my God, absolutely. He, he has my taste. He has my level of enthusiasm, and and he respected your intelligence. He did. He did. A- actually, that's that's exactly what it was. Um, the way he used to write. Actually, all of them, but particularly jazz. Um, yeah, I just he just struck a chord from the outset, and no matter where he went, I had to follow him. So, CVG, oh, I, had yeah. to, I had to start buying that. So, um, oh, know, mean machines. Oh. Yeah, mean machines. I mean, how how clever was he? You know, start starting yeah. up spin-offs and. And yeah, just yeah, making him um, successful. Now, he's definitely one of the biggest influences of my life. Absolutely, I wouldn't have any of this without Zap sixty four, and that wouldn't have happened without Julian Brignall. Like none of this, I would have at all. Now here's a challenge for Daz. I reckon we get Jazz on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, go. Okay. Oh, here we go. All right, we'll try. We'll try. Hey, man. I mean, I've, I've been successful with a lot of um, RD guests. I, I can only try. Fair enough, but for now we've got a special guest here already, so we're gonna keep on. Oh mate, exactly. if you tell me he's exactly. if you tell me he's on the line, I'll jump off right now. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, no. Cam, you're fine. You're fine where you are, mate. Now, now here's an interesting thing: um, the Q weight testing, man. How did that come about? Um, that was yeah. That was really that was so lucky. Um, it, Chrome Studios were here in Brisbane, and. Um, I happen to know the two of the owners um, because they made comics, and I made I made these you know these dingy little mini comics back when I was a teenager, and we kind of had some mutual friends that that uh, you know we all did comics at, at the local comic shop because as I said I, I worked at a comic shop when I was a kid instead of going to school, and um, yeah, and they ended up going to make this big successful games company and. I kind of uh, shimmied my way into the QA department um, because I, the thing about being a game reviewer, it's excellent. I loved being a game reviewer, but there's a certain point in your life where you go, okay, I've spent the last six or seven years of my life just tearing down other people's work. Now, which is fine, but after a while, you kind of want to build something. Or at least I, I, I wanted to build something. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to want to get into game development and make something. And QA is the best way to do it. And I was so lucky and fortunate that um, Steve and John kind of let me in to their uh, uh, little house that they built, which turned into this amazing company. Amazing. I was so uh, lucky there. It was, it was one of, and one of many in Brizzy because it was the absolute mecca for software dev or game dev for years, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you had Chrome, you had THQ, uh, Pandemic, Hearthbrick, uh, a whole heap of places. Um, Oren. Evolution. Oren, oh my god, yes, Oren, uh, who were still going. I ended up working with them uh, back in my publisher days uh, a couple of years ago, and they're still down the Gold Coast making trains and, you know, doing their thing, doing some mobile games. Actually, who was there? There was a... Um... 
was it Sega on Gold Coast? Um, yes, creative, creative. Uh, I say there was EA at the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, that's they it. They were doing was. some stuff for a while. But there was Creative Assembly in Brisbane. Yes, I'm sorry, I forgot about those guys. Wow. So what happened? What happened to all these people, uh, all these companies in Brizzy? Uh, they came the south Australian today. Dollar. No, the Australian <laughs> dollar happened. Oh, and really? Okay. Yeah. The mid-size, mid-size games just stopped selling. No one wanted to do movie licenses anymore. No one wanted to do toy-related games. It either had to be a big, mega, huge, AAA budget kind of thing or nothing. And, yeah, it just kind of all imploded. Fair enough. Now, is there an actual particular game that was absolute crap when he came past your QA disc? Yeah. Well, you can't say. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, th- I think it's fair to say that some games had more time and budget resources than others. I think that's a diplomatic way of putting it. Fair enough. Um, was uh, and was the one that stood out uh, that was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, well, I I worked on Tie Two as a QA guy for the console versions of Tie the Tasmanian Tiger Two. Um, and that that's that's actually started off really broken. Like every game that you really love starts off as terrible, and it's only through months and months of testing and the guys fixing it and adding new features that it actually starts getting good. And that, that actually got to a point where it was, oh, this is actually fun and you know, it feels nice because it got re- it got rebooted and cancelled and uncancelled so many times during its development that you didn't really know what you were playing until you get the disc in your hand. Wow. So as a QA, did you actually have input in them adding features to make it better? Or like how did, I mean, I don't know what the QA person does from a, but um, from a high level perspective, what do you actually say this isn't working or? Yeah, you kind of, you kind of get all, you kind of give, you kind of get a little bit of leeway to go, okay, maybe you should try this, but ultimately it's up to the designers and the, and the yeah. developers and the artists. That's their that's their thing, and you got to respect that. Um, you know, I, I know I ruffled a couple of feathers when I started because I'm like, oh, I was a big shot game reviewer, <laughs> and I think game reviews are going to suck if you guys don't implement this. And, and yeah, looking back, probably not the best thing I could have done, but uh, there you go. <laughs> but... It was a good learning experience, and I got to I got to learn, um, you know, how games are actually made, which is very different from how you think they're made when you're reviewing or just playing them. That's amazing. How long did you do that for? The- uh, QA was a year um, until I uh, got promoted internally to design and producer. Uh, oh, that was wow. just simple. Yeah, and it was so it was so funny because like part of what I was doing as well as QA was. Um, because they, the, the bosses knew that I could write. They were like, okay, we're going to put you on some pitches and we're going to get you to try pitching for games, you know, that the publishers are interested in because every now and then publishers would go, hey, are you interested in doing a racing game for us or doing this? Please let us know. So you'd put together a little pitch document. And the first one, and it scared the living crap out of me, the boss came down and went, yeah, Midway are kind of thinking of rebooting Smash TV. Wow. Would you be interested in pitching for that? And I'm like, Ugh. Wow. No, that scares the living crap Smash TV. Because, you know, somebody said come yes. on. Of course I said yes, but the, the problem was, like, a, a, how do you improve on Smash TV? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was going to say, got us. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right, Dave, you're right. Yeah. I, I think I think when I got assigned to, to write the pitch, I think I had like three days, and I spent two of those days just in a fetal position on the floor, just rocking myself back and forth, going, it can't be done. And and eventually, it, but they, it didn't happen, because uh, one reason or another, but it was just incredibly daunting. I thought I thought Total, Total Carnage was the sequel. Total Carnage was a spiritual follow-up, for sure, but these guys were like interested in Smash TV 2. Yeah, or okay. a reboot uh, or something like that. Did, they did that with yeah. Spy Hunter about the same time. Yeah, and, it, and it was Spy Hunter. not great. Yeah, it's a shame. Now, Retro Gaming Hacks, <clears throat> um, O'Reilly Press. How did uh, what was that all that about? Oh, I did a I did a chapter for that. Uh, my friend Chris Kohler, who's um, a Wired, he does the game section for Wired magazine and Wired Online. Um, he was putting together a book and he was like, oh, I need someone to write something about text adventures on, on how to write basic text adventures. And I went, oh, I'm your man, because, hey, look at my exercise books. I was going to um, say, it's come full circle. Nice. Yeah, exactly. That was that was a really nice gig to do. That was fun, because I was teaching kids how to, okay, well, kids, you're going to need a ruler and you're going to need a little pencil to mark your place when you're writing down books. You're going to have to go to eBay and find... Uh, magazines and type, get type-in listings from old issues of CVG and here's how it works. And then you're going to spend six hours debugging it because uh, they were put in by typesetters who didn't know what computer code was and they didn't care. Rage. Rage factor 100. Mm. I used to get so angry typing those things. Yeah. Now, Zap64, mate, how, <gasps> how did that all come about? Please watch Okay, so we all we all here love Zap and hold it in the absolute highest regard, I'm sure. You know, that's... that's, that's Amen. Yeah. And um, I was writing... I was freelancing full-time, and um, one of the places I was writing for was just, just giving me so much grief, just telling me, you know, that oh, you've wasted your life and... You're not gonna, you're not gonna be a proper journalist and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. I need to do something fun. I need to do something that's actually gonna reconnect me with why I'm here in the first place. Why am I pursuing this crazy career path? And I started posting on, um, I was posting on the Lemon sixty four forums a lot back then, and um, I started putting this silly idea out there, going, hey. Wouldn't it be cool to do like a new Commodore 64 mag, like in the spirit of Zap? That sounds kind of fun. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll put together like a little, you know, 12-page PDF or something for people. And then um, Gordon, you know, Big Gordo from from Zap, uh, he was also posting, and he was like, oh, maybe we should, you know, make a, an issue of Zap. You know, an unofficial uh, follow-up. And I'm like, and let me tell you, if you get a message from Gordo from Zap telling you that, uh, you know, this might be a good idea, then you damn well do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now we're talking about Gordon Oh, Houghton. yeah. Gordon Houghton, Houghton. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, my God, it's actually him. <gasps> I got totally tongue-tied. Um, and then we got uh, Craig Granell on board, who was also posting uh, uh, there on the time. He's a graphic designer and also a journalist, so he came on board, and and that's how I met uh, my brother from another mother, Aunt Stella. Um, 
Gordon was like, hey, there's this other guy in on the Lemon forums that he's also in your town. Maybe you might want to uh, meet up. And um, the rest is history because uh, we got met up and we've been firm friends ever since. Um, but it was so it was so amazing. Like we, I was like, okay, I'm going to be the editor of this little magazine, and it kind of grew and grew, and then we got like real graphic design on it and it was gonna we got an original cover by ollie frey but it wasn't it was an old cover of one of his 2018 illustrations but craig rejigged it to be an original cover and paul glancy got on board who was that zap 64 uh reveal for a while and other people it just kind of grew into the snowball thing we ended up getting it printed and edge magazine covered it and oh my god like, I made a real issue of Zap64. And funnily enough, like, that's how the interview for Chrome went when I interviewed. Um, the guy who ran the QA department was like, yeah, okay, well, I see here you made an issue of Zap64. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, cool, start on Monday because I love Zap. That was it. That was the whole interview <laughs> process. <laughs> Oh, so, wow. so did you actually go back? Did you go back to the guys that said, "Oh, you know, you've um, you've wasted your time," and and say, "See, oh, yeah. see what I've done." Yeah, good on you. Yeah, they, yeah, they they didn't know what that was, but you know, they they were like, "Oh, that's good for you." <laughs> Ouch! But that's okay. But it was so it was so good to like make something that said thank you to something that you know meant so much to us. No, there's uh, like your um your CV or your bio just reads like a wow. But um, th- th- I mean everything is fantastic. But the Zap64 always stands out. I see that. It's like man, yeah. Oh, I still count as the highlight. That sure. is cool. That oh. is cool. Um, your drawing, dude. Were you um were you always good at drawing? What did you? Uh, depends on who you ask. Oh, uh. <laughs> You're being modest. You're being modest. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I always had an interest in it. Uh, for sure, and you know, it's um, that's why I like doing blow the cartridge because it's a nice way to combine two passions of mine. You know, drawing and, and retro gaming for sure. Yeah, and I love the humour, man. I really, really oh, love thanks. the humour in BTC. Thanks. It's uh, you know, it's like it's like a little bit of a, a Zap window. You know, like mm-hmm. if Zap ran, I know they had comics and stuff, but if they were around now, I reckon, yeah, blow the cartridge would, would, would fit it perfectly. Oh, thanks. Now tell Retro Don't Gamer Magazine that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what, right? I've got, a, I've got a bone to pick with them. How come um, they don't seem to cover a lot from Australia or they don't care for Australia? And that really bugs me a bit. So if Retro Gamer is listening or anyone in uh, in the UK that knows anyone from Retro Gamer, Darren Jones, um, uh, yeah, got a bone to pick, man. Come on. Australia yeah, pretty much followed. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah. Show exactly. some love. Yeah, spot on, man, spot on. So, there we go. <laughs> oh, oh, you tell him, Alex. Wow. You tell him. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah man. All, all of a sudden, um, a podcast listener is going to drop off and say, mate, he's had a crack at the Americans <laughs> and the magazines. He's had a crack at Retro Gamer. No, I, I love everyone. I love everyone. I really do. It's just like, oh, man, I know I know we're really far in Australia, but um, we do love anything and everything um, gaming-wise from, you know, from the epoch to, uh, to now. So, Absolutely. yeah, show us some love, please. Um, yeah. And like, and like Cam's, uh, Cam's proof, man, that, uh, yeah, you know, uh, coding at eight, just like guys did in the UK. Um, and uh, then progressing through to, uh, yeah, man, to uh, uh, to uh, TV Week and writing there and 
going through all these before drawing drawing sorry comics um and i know you've got rose comic as well yay rosecomic.com so, got to get the plug in that's it man absolutely absolutely <laughs> um sorry uh to daz and aaron i've actually taken over a lot um so so if you guys got questions for cam throw them throw them uh, his way now otherwise um i was going to move on to the next part unless there was anything else cam that you wanted to no, no, no. It's all good. um you know like it was it was nice making some video games uh that, that people might have played and um yeah <laughs> I, I, I really, I really want to play this uh, now. You know, I'm not an adventure or text or an, an adventure type player, but mm. I did start. I did start. Transylvania was my very first computer game on the Apple. And likewise, vowed, likewise. Yeah, and I thought this is the best thing ever. And you know what? I haven't played a text adventure since then. All right, and that includes uh, your Zorks and whatever else. Uh, I might have wow. played it for about a month. But actual playing properly from start to finish, yeah. Uh, Transylvania was my first and last. Fell in love with it, but then I got it. But then I became an arcader, you know, just playing games for about five, ten minutes, getting my fix, moving mm-hmm. on. Um, so I blame arcades for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what it ruined your attention span. Uh, yeah, it was uh, that. It Sorry. It did, it did, it did. Uh, sorry, Daz. No, yeah. You'll say, yeah, because that, that, that was my first as well. But lucky enough, and um, it's a shame that I wish, I don't think it came out on any other system, but they my school also had a uh, text adventure with that with pictures as well, like Transylvania, the Dark Crystal movie. Oh, a, I remember yeah. playing that, yes. Yeah, so and good. yeah, and it blew me away. And um, to this day, I mean, even if I find it, I don't own an Apple to E, but I would, I would buy it. I would snap it up straight away well they're so, getting quite uh, expensive wow. man so um i know yeah, i know yeah so they're almost uh well yeah I was, dare i say drug money but uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah i'm like you alex i haven't really touched um text adventures since then as well yeah, yeah it's I... a shame i think um i think i just need time but um yeah i can hear aaron oh no i was just gonna You're say here yeah, i'm a yeah i i dabbled like Infracom games were just for a while there, especially on because they had an old crappy 286, so that was kind of the, the best I could manage. So it was, um, you know, getting into the Zorks and Planetfall and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which to this day is still one of the best text adventures I think I've ever played. So, yeah. Yes. Did you guys try the uh, porn? No. No. It's, it was, it was, uh, was it Infracom? I can't remember if it was in combat. Um, yeah, no, it, was a, it had nice graphics on it. It was a big graphical tour de force. It was one of those, it was one of the first, it was on C64 and it was also on Amiga and, and all that. But it was, um, you can enter in more natural sentences so you didn't get stuck with that whole, you know, go north, get lamp kind of thing. You can go, you can go put the pot plant in the pot plant, pot the pot plant into the pot plant pot. And it would understand it. And it was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Anyway porn okay i'm writing that down yeah p-a-w-n before you uh yeah, google yeah, searches yeah. yeah okay well, i was gonna say yeah, I, was gonna, I was gonna say that yeah <laughs> uh, all just, right just on a side note quickly sorry alex i actually uh-huh. just looked on ebay for uh the dark crystal apple 2e game and um some nutcase uh overseas is selling a copy of buy it now for 556 dollars cheap so, bargain yeah. Buy it. Oh, yeah so yeah yeah I, I ain't gonna get a copy. Is it super <laughs> mega ultra rare? I'd say so. Yeah. Oh come on, guys! Don't, don't hate on people selling it. You know what? If there are buyers buy, um, paying those prices, so be it. 
This is a fair point. I said, so... no, I, no, I have every right to hate on that because that is a joke. It's a game. That's, uh, that's why. Well, I, but anyway, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. So yeah, yeah. Punch. Um, <laughs> all right. If, if, there's no fur- <laughs> if there's no further questions, we'll move on to um, the publisher of choice. And at the top of the um, episode, Daz did introduce uh, the podcast, The House That Melbourne Built. And I'll allow Cam to actually tell us what all that means and to introduce our publisher of choice for this month. Yeah, sure. So uh, the publisher of uh, this episode is Melbourne House, Australia's first game developer and first games publisher, and definitely one of the biggest and most important parts of Australian game development history. Um, They were definitely the longest running uh, developer, started in, depends on who you ask, uh, the mid-70s as a book publisher um, by Fred Milgram and uh, uh, Naomi Beeson. And uh, they published books that they sourced from other countries. And because of Fred's computer background, he did a uh, science degree at the University of Melbourne and did a bit of computer programming as part of his postgraduate studies. And he decided, he got really interested in uh, computer games and what computers can do for society. And um, he thought, oh, maybe the- he can combine them. So he started making books about uh, computers. The first uh, was 30 programs for the ZX80, which was, we go back full circle, type in listings. And it was a huge success. Even Clive Sinclair had a blurb on it saying, I love this book. And uh, it sold gangbusters and opened the doors to Melbourne House to, you know, obviously get more programs into books. And they hired a a programmer that uh, worked out of their living room for a couple of months. Uh, William Tang, and um, <clears throat> you know, to source more programs instead of waiting for amps to be found elsewhere or, or get them submitted. And eventually, uh, the idea of putting programs onto cassette happened. And that's how Melbourne House started getting into the games publishing business. Of, uh, I'm sure everyone here remembers The Hobbit, just talking about text adventures just then, uh, which was huge. It was um, because of Fred and uh, Naomi's connections to the publishing world, they were able to talk to the Tolkien estate and get the rights to The Hobbit. They didn't know how much to ask for it because who had made a computer game license of a book before? It hadn't really been done. So uh, they got The Hobbit and um, made that. It it was a huge technological leap ahead of text adventures at the time and still a lot of games today uh, haven't yet to match these kind of features. It was a real-time text adventure game, even if you did nothing characters in the world would still go on their little adventures and do their things um which is incredible uh it made you feel like you were part of a living breathing world um there was a plain text version for the c64 greg barnett did a uh, graphical version of it which added you know locations which helped describe the hobbit world and that was huge that that helped start them up with a uk office and um get their games into uk shelves a lot easier than, than in australia and uh from there um they became a big powerhouse in uh computer game development um of course we've got games like way of the exploding fist again greg barnett um you know a big one-on-one combat game that uh i'm sure you guys have played uh 
yeah, so that that really opened up the doors, and then everyone started uh, using Melbourne House to do license games. Um, you know, there's you've got Yusagi Yoshimbo and um, a whole heap of other titles that kind of opened up the, the doors to them even further, and they kept making computer games for other publishers as, as a license deal because it didn't take that long um, to make make games and then they got into consoles uh they were the first to get a third-party development kit from nintendo after making their own and nintendo were so incensed about that that they said please stop using it use one of ours and uh, <laughs> they started making games for the the nes um for a huge variety of publishers uh the game boy um they did a whole heap of games for that uh they were one of these they were one of these developers that weren't really known by name. Uh, it wasn't until you kind of go on the source code, and because back in the day you couldn't really, as a developer, put your name on it. The only name that ever really got on the boxes is the publishers. So, you know, while LJN would be on the box or, or whoever, it would be Beam Software that did, you know, Back to the Future or whatever. Um, and even then, finding the names of the person who, who made it was a bit hard. Uh, they did like they converted Last Ninja. Uh, going back to the Zap connection, that was Gary Lydon got flown over from the UK um, to work on that for a contract to convert that to the uh, NES without access to the source code. Wow! Uh, cool. Yeah, he he did a lot of um, tricky little manoeuvring to to get that running on the NES. Um, you know, they converted Road Blasters, or, or of course, you know, one of the big conversions that they're known for is Smash TV, going back to Smash TV. Um, they converted that to the NES and the SNES and all sorts of other uh, weird and wonderful devices. You know, three people would convert that over. Um, and yeah, so eventually they went into 16-bit consoles. Um, a lot of people would know them for uh, Shadowrun on the Super Nintendo, which uh, to this day yep. is held in very high regard. Yeah, totally. Um... You know, and then moving on into console stuff, they even owned a um, uh, a website that reviewed all their games, and um, their incredibly corrupt game reviewer would give all Melbourne <laughs> House's games five out of five stars. And, surprise, uh, surprise! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so corrupt, that guy. Oh wait, that was me. Um, <laughs> what's that about ethics and journalism? Uh, there were none, mate. I was getting paid fifteen bucks a review. I didn't care about ethics. Um, Let's, yeah, in in '96 they were they were listed on the stock exchange. The first um, Australian game developer to be listed on the stock exchange. That's the, eventually, the the financial pressure of making games to the level of that the PS2 required and the high end 3D graphics cards on the PC required uh, meant that the money was running out faster than they could bring it in. And uh, Infograms bought them uh, back in '99 along with AussieSoft at the same time. Uh, they were kind of thinking that, okay, maybe we can have this, you know, distribution and, and uh, publishing thing down in Australia. Didn't really work out, but they kept it together for a couple of years. Um, you know, they did some great uh, great games, actually, down there. Uh, Transformers Armada for the PS2, which was held as a, as a classic. That was the first Australian, game, uh, Australian developed game to be on the cover of Edge. And it also and it also stands as probably the best Transformers game until we got the more recent ones. So, yeah, totally, totally. It was it was so much better than it should have been. Uh, uh, Le Mans. Was it, was it, 
I was going to say, was it then, was it then that did um, Looney Tunes Racing on the Dreamcast? Yes. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that they, they got known to being a really good racing game developer. They did Le Mans on the Dreamcast, uh, Looney Tunes Racing. Um, they converted Test Drive, um, Test Drive Unlimited, sorry, I should say, to the PS2 and the PSP, which were faster, smoother, and less buggy than the major console versions. Um, and then they got bought, uh, oh, sorry, another big PC hit, uh, I should mention, was Kill, Crush, and Destroy, KKND. One of the first real-time strategy games around the era of Command and & Conquer. And let's not forget Dark uh, Rain too. great, actually. Uh, I- yes. Totally. And uh, did a couple of games uh, like the Wii version of Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which was a huge seller. Absolutely the best-selling version of Force Unleashed. Um, they did Scene at Box Office Smash, which is the first game to use the, the different controllers and avatars. Um, and then kind of Chrome wrapped up as a big AAA developer uh, in 2010, and that was kind of the end of the Melbourne House story. But what it left behind was a, a huge legacy of hundreds of games that uh, are still held in very high regard by everyone who played them across pretty much every single retro machine you can think of. That was very comprehensive. I was going to say, um, you're right, it, it, Melbourne House doesn't roll off the tongue like Ocean or Imagine or whatever, but but one game sticks in my mind like a fucking thorn in my foot, <laughs> right? And we all know where this is going, all right? Um, None other than Double Dragon, my all-time oh. favorite, my all-time favorite oh, yeah. arcade, my all-time favorite arcade game. Um, you know, I waited a year and a half for it to come out, and when it did, it was like Melbourne House. What, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, yeah. So can I can I tell you a story about that? I might have already told you this one personally, Alex. But um, so I bought Double Dragon like you. I was so excited. It was my absolute favorite arcade game. I love Double Dragon. I wrote like a little paper pen and paper you know rpg based on it just a while away the time <laughs> you know it was shockingly bad but whatever and um i bought the game which back in those days like oh my god i didn't i didn't even want to pirate it i was like nope i'm buying this this is getting my 30 bucks yep, you know double drag got to do this properly and took it home and you, you know that the rest there you see that little note saying oh you know we couldn't get the graphics right or you know it was just terrible terrible just gut-wrenchingly bad and fast forward um you know 20 odd years and i'm working in chrome and um i actually get talking about double dragon and the guy i'm working with says oh yeah i was the producer on that <laughs> And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys we hired for it, you know, said they can do it, and then they just completely couldn't, and it was too late to do anything about it. By the time we realised what was going on, we had to get it out the door. And I'm like, you cost me thirty bucks. I want my thirty bucks back. (laughs) (laughs) You realise you should have told him. You realise you destroyed so many kids' lives. Yeah, he he, he felt terrible about it. Like, he he knew it was garbage, but it was just too late at that point, and and it's a shame. But um, it was nice to be able to point a finger at someone and go, right, it was you. (laughs) You've got a a face and you've got a name. Good Mm -hmm. name. Yeah, Uh, Alex, Alex, I'll 
<laughs> uh, I was gonna say, Alex, how you should you should get uh, Mr. Mark C and um, and f- try to find the guy because <laughs> he, he he feels the same as you, Alex. I can uh, tell you. Yeah, that. But see, yeah, but see, I got ripped off even more because I paid thirty nine dollars because I got the disc, right? I got the file. Oh, oh no! Right? And. Until this day, it's still in its perfect uh, sleeve, and you know it's um, yeah. it, it hasn't seen much action, obviously. Um, <laughs> and like everyone else, uh, it, it seldom did I buy games, but I thought, no, I've got to buy this. And even even reading the reviews, I thought, no, it can't be this shit. It can't be this crap. It can't. It just can't. The game uh, cannot be uh, a crap game because I, I enjoyed it so much. And as it turns out, yeah, it was. It was a travesty. I pretended to love it, so I finished it. I mean, but I, I strive through and I go, and I'm telling to myself, this is awesome. I knew deep down it wasn't, but you know, you yes. oh, know, I know. Oh, I want to give you a cuddle like that. <laughs> yeah. oh. I'll put on. Hey, hey at, at least, at least, at least the backgrounds look good. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Right. Okay, it's let's uh, move on. What do you reckon? Yeah. To the wall. So, so Cam, you talk about the you know the all the games that are released. Like, what are your probably top three that you liked? Uh, right up there is um, Usagi Yojimbo Samurai Warrior, the, the Usagi, because it, it it was so quiet. It was a action adventure game where there was hardly any action and very little adventure, and you just took a nice stroll across feudal Japan. Being polite to people, you had to show respect to elders, but you also got extra karma points for bowing to peasants or or giving them money. You could take a detour and just sit down and have a nice little bowl of rice. Um, If you you, uh, offend people, you commit seppuku. And at the end of the game, there was no big, you know, dramatic battle. It was you just walking into the sunset and sitting down and, and a nice tranquil thing. It was so beautiful, such a nice game. Uh, that's pretty much the big highlight for me. Way the exploding fist is, is liked by a lot of people, but I was an IK plus kind of guy. Um, uh, you know, I kind of had a soft spot for death cars on the PC. Not many people remember that, but that's okay. Um, that's yeah, that, that, that's pretty much my big highlight. Um, definitely not Men in Black Two on the uh, the PS2. No. <laughs> <laughs> So no, so no Horus, no Hobbit. Hor- well, Hobbit was good. Yeah, actually, look, I've got to pay respect to Hobbit. It did a lot of things really, really well. So yes, that that'll definitely go onto the list. KKND is probably the one I spent the most amount of hours in. I love that thing. Nice man, that's a nice list there. Wind up the episode, Cam. Any special projects you can talk about, mention really quickly, or you can't, or just watch uh, this. Watch this space. If you like Melbourne House, follow me on Twitter. Goddamn. And Ooh, just for nice. those folks, just for those folks that don't know, um, yeah, uh, URLs, uh, Twitter handle. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, keep up with everything I'm doing. Uh, everything is on CameronDavisCreative.com. That's a big hub for everything. Uh, there's also Blow the Cartridge, BlowTheCartridge.com. My comic about uh, a girl's love of food, friends, family, food, food, food is rosecomics.com and it's brilliant. Please give it a read. Uh, Reset Magazine with my uh, my lovely, lovely Reset team members is coming soon. Do a Google search for Reset C64. Uh, what else have I got going on? <laughs> I, I was going to say the main one on 
Twitter is at Gazunta. So oh, at Gazunta on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So hit up Cam on there. And I'd like to apologise to everyone because we tried with when we tried to make game room for the Xbox 360, and we tried our best. Anyway, thanks for trying. Yeah, guys, the morning corner. As as per usual, I mean, um, time always flies when we're having fun. Yes. And you've been brilliant. You've been awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, yeah, man, thank you very much. And I'll pass on over to Daz and Aaron as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Firstly, uh, yeah, thanks, Cameron, for jumping on it. Yeah, no, it was great, man. Um, thanks, guys, for joining us as well. Um, I'll, I'll just give a quick sh- quick shout outs too. Um, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, shout out to the um, RD boys. Um, say about next week we're going to be recording our next podcast so just uh, you know stay tuned you'll, you'll hear us next week again uh, with with another part two of a special episode that we're doing um, shout out to uh, Alex and the Oz Retro Gaming team and that's obviously you too Aaron isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. Oh, yes sorry I'm very quiet I was very quiet then I was running out of breath <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, also to Miss Oz Retro Gamer, thanks to all the listeners. Um, as usual, without you guys, wouldn't be doing what we're doing. And the support has been phenomenal. Yeah, no, cheers, and, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. On to you, Aaron. No, guys. I look. Thanks for coming. Good to have a chat with you, Cam. I know PAX last year we didn't get too much of a chance outside of playing um, loop and ball and a few other things. But oh, um, that was so much fun. It it, it certainly was, especially because I won. I'm a big fan of that. Let's not talk about that too much. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no, look, guys, thank you so much. Like, this is one of my absolute favorite gaming podcasts, and I absolutely love uh, love listening to it every month. So I'm uh, feeling you. quite special because I got an early oh. preview of the next episode. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks mate. Cam. It's very, very, very humbling. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And Daz, that's, that's, that's it. A wrap. What about you, mate? Oh me! Shout out oh, to you, mate. What about you? Oh. Come on! Oh. Um, everyone, everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, you guys are all awesome. RD, Winner Retro, Retrospect, um, all our others, our brothers and sisters around the world that are into retro gaming, modern gaming, whatever gaming, whatever tickles your fancy, and whatever you have fun in, keep it up, keep listening, and uh, yeah, man. Till next time. Exactly. Adios, everyone. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Have fun. Bye. Bye.